Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There's a new breed of vegan food that swept through the Bay Area's Instagram culture and out into the restaurants and streets of our cities. Vegan Mom, Malibu Burgers, Senior Sisigs, Vegan Filipino Burritos. There's a whole crop of fascinating vegan food entrepreneurship that's drawing on entirely different traditions than the crunchy hippie health food model. And here to talk with us, as he does every couple of weeks, is Luke Sai, KQED's food editor. Welcome, Luke. Thanks, Alexis. Glad to be here. So tell me about this new vegan food, like the kind of the trend that you're seeing crop up. Yeah, well, Alexis, you know, growing up, um, even when I was first starting out as a food writer, maybe 10 years ago, um, as an omnivore, you know, very much so an omnivore, I had a perception of vegan food. You know, basically, there were two types of vegan restaurants that I was familiar with. You know, so one was sort of like the Buddhist Chinese model, you know, the, the faux meats um, done into stir fries and um, in, into, you know, molded into the shape of a fish and whatnot, you know, and that that was its own kind of thing. Um, and then there was another type of vegan restaurant that, you know, I just always perceived as being uh, very wholesome, you know, very crunchy, as you say. Um, you might get a veggie burger there. Um, you might get a tempeh bowl of some kind. Um, and in my perception, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, I, I just kind of assumed that those were restaurants for like a certain kind of, um, you know, uh, a wholesome, health-minded white person. Um, they didn't seem like they were restaurants that were targeted um, at me. And now what we're seeing um, here in the Bay Area, you know, and in Oakland and beyond um, are um, these new types of um, pop-ups and restaurants and food trucks that are serving vegan food, um, but doing it, you know, in a different way and t- for a different audience. You know, you have a place like Vegan Mob, um, which is doing like these barbecue plates um, and uh, vegan garlic noodles. Um, you have a spot like uh, Lion Dance Cafe, uh, whose owner we uh, spoke to a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago when we were talking about Lunar Year. Um, they're doing uh, Singaporean Chinese laksa, and they're doing these um, Saobing uh, flatbread sandwiches that are amazing. They're doing these like tofu nuggets that are a huge hit with everyone <laughs> in my family, especially the kids. Um you have uh, Senor Sisig Vegano that, that you alluded to, uh, who's doing that now vegan versions of their sort of Filipino fusion um, tacos and, and burritos. And I think, you know, what all these businesses have in common are, you know, a lot of them are, are run by um, folks of color, um, black and brown folks. Um, they have super diverse um, audiences. Um, and, you know, for lack of a better word, they're like really cool <laughs> places. Like, like how do two places... old guys say they're really cool? <laughs> they, you know, uh... <laughs> they're, they're, they're like places that, you know, that, that people go out if they're going out on a Friday night, you would go to these places, you know, like uh, Vegan Mob 
you know, you, you go out to their food truck in the mission and you will be waiting online for an hour a lot of times with a line around the block, you know, music playing, um, people just waiting to get their uh, vegan, you know, barbecue plates. Um, Lion Dance Cafe, when they first opened, um, you know, you had something like 10 minutes um, when they opened their online uh, ordering system to like pre-order uh, to get in your spot. Otherwise, you know, you were on the waiting list and probably out of luck. Um, all of these places have um, tens of thousands of Instagram followers. Um, and they're just kind of like the happening place to be, which I think, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you wouldn't have imagined um, that vegan spots, vegan restaurants would be kind of like the cool restaurants. Um, yeah. But that's that's kind of where we are right now. And we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, what's your favorite Bay Area vegan spot? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions uh, or your favorite Bay Area vegan spots to forum at kqed.org. Already got a couple coming in from the social media. Bertha tweets, vegan mob is amazing, but Tofu Komchai in San Jose is my fave, and I wish they would open one in the East Bay. Noel tweets, wasn't solely vegan the first one in Oakland, also in San Jose? Good karma with the added benefit of a great craft beer menu was it solely vegan that was the first one luke do you know solely vegan ha- is is sort of like the og um in in this arena at least in oakland um in terms of doing you know they were doing vegan soul food um again definitely catered towards uh, a different audience than your stereotypical you know a wholesome uh, vegan restaurant that you might think of um but yeah it's it's not to say that this new wave are are sort of doing something that's never been done before. But I do think the, the excitement around it um, and, um, you know, and, and some of the different foods that they're doing is is really new. You know, I, I brought up um, Senor Sisig Vegano, um, which, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with Senor Sisig. Like that was really one of like the first Instagram hits in the Bay Area. You know, their food truck was like one of the first ones where like you would follow them on Instagram and like just see where their truck was going to be, you know, <laughs> on a Friday or Saturday night. And the lines were always outrageous. And they were doing, you know, Filipino fusion food. They were doing like uh, pork sisig, which is this classic Filipino dish. And they were doing it in a burrito. You know, they were doing it on a taco and it was a hit. And so, you know, it was a fusion hybrid food to begin with right and now and so i was chatting with one of the owners and they were saying you know they were they're not vegan but they were just trying to reduce their meat consumption Mm -hmm. um just just like a lot of us are you know whether it be for health reasons or whether it be for ethical reasons or whether it be for sustainable um sustainability reasons he was trying to reduce his meat intake and so uh he just said you know why not just come up with an entire not not just like a vegan menu but why don't we like duplicate our entire menu so that every single item has a vegan version of it, you know? And so they're doing like uh, these vegan crunch wraps and these vegan, you know, again, these burritos. Um, and I just think like, to me, I just love that because it's like vegan fusion Filipino burrito. Like to me, there's like nothing that could be more Bay area than that. <laughs> yes, that's right. That really is. It's the distillation of the entire Bay into one delicious wrap. Um, let's bring in Darren Preston. Darren's the owner of Malibu's burgers in Oakland. Welcome. 
Hey, how's it going? So your restaurant is one of these uh, new fangled vegan spots. Can you just t- just tell us about it? What's the menu? What do you serve? And how'd you come up with it? Um, well, I came up, I thought of Malibu's Burgers after visiting a, uh, a famous restaurant down in LA called Monty's Good Burger. Uh, I waited in line about 30 minutes, got the food. And, you know, when I, well, first thing I said to the gentleman at the register was when you guys come to Oakland and he said, we're working on it. And, uh, you know, the food was good, but after trying it, I was like, man, I think I can do a better version. And, you know, rather someone who, you know, rather someone who lives in Oakland to open up a vegan burger restaurant than someone from LA. So I thought of it and, you know, told my wife and quit my job and making burgers full time. And she thought I was crazy, but we did it. So I was wondering, you know, who are the other folks that sort of inspired you? Um, You know, I, I know there's sort of like the cookbook side of it. Like we've had Bryant Terry on the show, for example. Um, or is it somebody more like, you know, the, the owner of Vegan Mob or, or somebody else? Yeah, um, I would say uh, Toriano, definitely um, for Vegan Mob. He, for me, he, more on a personal level, like, you know, he, he's an African-American vegan um, who's doing it. And I've always been an entrepreneur, but I never saw myself as a, as someone who would sell food, you know. Um, but definitely Toriano, seeing him inspired me to to give me the, you know, gave me the green light to, you know, to even consider it being real because, you know, he, he brought his own, his own style. Vegan mob is very much him. Uh, so he definitely did inspire me and uh butcher son, butcher son's a big inspiration to me. I, I like, I love everything they have. And I just felt, you know, Berkeley has butcher son, Oakland needed something and, you know, Oakland is, is uh, home. So, yeah. Yeah. We want to hear from you listeners. What's your favorite Bay Area vegan spot? Maybe it's uh, Malibu's Burgers. You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, and the emails forum at kqed.org. Darren, how do you see the kind of trend of, of veganism among black people and other people of color? Like, do you... For you, is it about kind of the moral position of eating animals? Is it health? Is it climate, environmental considerations? Like, what are you thinking about? Um, for me, you know, well, when I first went vegan, I would say it's about 2011. Um, what inspired me to do it is I saw this really horrible video of a, basically this woman. This woman ate a frog, and she frog watched her eat him, you know, the upper torso of the frog was still alive. And that was so impactful to me that it just, it, it, I literally was like, I'm, I'm done right there. And, uh, you know, when I first went vegan, it was kind of, I kind of felt alone as far as being black and vegan. Um, wasn't too many. It wasn't, wasn't how it is now. So, you know, um, yeah, it, 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 for me, it's more of the animals. I obviously have had certain, you know, health effects that, it's changed. Like when I first went vegan, I was like a super, super health nut vegan. But then as I got more comfortable and learned how to cook more things, then it become, you know, more of a junk food vegan. But yeah, for me, it's about the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Darren, thank you uh, so much for uh, for sharing your story of Malibu's burgers. Um, yeah, really appreciate that. Um, Luke, I wanted to come come to you on sort of how this kind of veganism intersects with this other Bay Area thing, which is, you know, impossible burgers and all of the sort of plant-based foods that exist kind of in that food innovation kind of realm. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think um, those two things are very much hand in hand, you know, and I love what Darren was saying earlier um, about uh, being a junk food vegan. (laughs) You know, I love that um, because I think that's that's everyone's perception, right? That to be if you're being a vegan, you're like this super, super healthy person. But, you know, you can be vegan and not want to eat healthy food all the time either. And I think a lot of these new businesses they're not necessarily putting that health angle first, you know, like a lot of these are basically, you know, you go to Malibu's and like, you're going to get like a really great fast food burger, but it's going to be vegan, you know, but it's going to hit all those notes, you know, all those flavors, um, that fattiness, that, that richness that you're going to get at a burger from someplace like McDonald's. Right. Um, and I think that the tech is sort of what enables that, you know, um, that that now you have this like super accessible uh, patty, you know, that you can buy in Costco, you can buy it in Target, you know, Burger King sells a, a impossible burger, you know, and so it's it's obviously these folks are doing their own thing with it, you know, they've got their own seasoning, they've got their own recipes, they've got their own techniques for how they cook it. Uh, what toppings they put on it. So it's not just like you're getting something out of the grocery store. Um, But the patty allows them to like put all their creativity into those flavors instead of having to spend all their time like engineering um, the burger itself. So I I think that's totally, I don't think it's a coincidence that like we've seen this wave in the past two or three years. A lot of these businesses are using those products, whether it be Impossible or Beyond. Um, they're using them in different forms on their menus. Yeah. Uh, got some other people um, weighing in with their favorite vegan spots. Paul writes, my favorite spot is Oak Harvest Kitchen in downtown Oakland. Vegan salad and bowls. They also train and employ formerly incarcerated community members, eating healthy and helping the community while they're at it. Love it. That's Oak Harvest Kitchen. And Marsha writes, does anyone remember raw in the early 90s? All raw, excellent. Solar rice cooked over days. Was it then the hate or dot, 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 question mark? Uh, Luke, do you remember Raw? I don't. I think that was before I was in the Bay. Do you, yeah. do you remember it, Alexis? Uh, I, I do not. I do not. I, I bet my wife, who was into Raw food back in those days, would, in fact, unfortunately not in the booth here with me. Um, I wanted to, uh, Darren, I wanted to ask you a quick uh, follow-up on that sort of tech uh, angle. Like how much do you think all those kind of new products that are coming out, plant-based products are helping you make the food that you want to for, for your customers? Yeah, no, they, uh, they definitely do help. Cause I, I do remember a time before impossible and all the other, um, you know, when you would have to turn beans into a burger. So they, they definitely do help and they allow us to, they allow us to make the, make vegan food as close to the real thing as we can. You know, it, I mean, I've had people who come in all the time and they, they get angry after they find out it's a vegan burger. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is some weird American stuff right there. Um, Darren, what about Impossible or Beyond? What do you think? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, personally, I, I prefer Impossible. Okay, just check. Um, Michael from San Jose, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment on the high-end vegan scene. Um, mm-hmm. San Francisco with the Millennium Restaurant in 1994, when so many other restaurants were doing, you know, high-end French was kind of the thing. But Millennium really was a, a, a trend center before the trend. Yeah. Hey, thank you for that, Michael. Luke, um, 
What do you think the interaction is between the different vegan food scenes? Like, you know, that is to say, you know, so there are high-end vegan places, of course. There's kind of what we've this kind of Instagram-fueled younger people's cool vegan scene. And then there's kind of your your crunchy hippie scene that, uh, of course, continues to exist. And um, what do you think? If those areas are kind of like sharing ideas or do you think they're mostly in their kind of own spheres? Yeah, I think I think they're sharing ideas. You know, I don't I don't want to speak for it because as a, as a not as a non-vegan person myself, but I, I think just as a as a food person, I think there's a place for all those things. You know, it's it's just like any other type of food. You know, like sometimes you want to, you know, sometimes you want fast food. Sometimes you want to sit down and have like a really thoughtful plated, you know, fancy meal with a glass of wine. You know, I think I think there is a place. Um, for both of those things. You know, um, Alexis, the other thing I was thinking of, you know, with so many of these conversations, you know, I think, think about how Darren talked about people being mad, you know, <laughs> that, that, that they got a, that they got a vegan burger, even though they maybe thought it was delicious. Um, but just the idea of it made them angry. And I think like for a lot of these folks, you know, especially catering towards new, these new audiences, right? Like you're, you're catering towards, you know, maybe Southeast Asian folks, or you're catering towards uh, Latinos or African Americans, you know, you're catering towards these audiences that historically haven't been necessarily known as, as sort of the vegan core audience. Um, And I think a lot of times talking to these business owners, like they get these accusations about um, inauthenticity all the Mm -hmm. time, you know, like, this isn't how, yeah, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. Like this isn't the recipe. This isn't this how is, we this, make this. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't how our people do it, or this isn't how, this isn't how my mom makes it, you know? And I, I just think, you know, that's just so rough, you know, to have that sort of pressure of, of a culture on you like that. Um, but I just remember, you know, I, I'll shout out another spot, this, this place, Takaria La Venganza, which mm-hmm. um, was, was doing a pop-up for a while, uh, maybe five or six years ago. And now they just opened this new like meat market. And I think they sell tacos sometimes. They're also um, in, in Oakland, but it's like a vegan meat market. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, you know, that was a place that really ch- like open my mind, you know, where I went in there and he was doing these tacos like carnitas and uh, carne asada, but he was using yuba, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. tofu skins. Mm -hmm. Um, And one, it like mimicked like those textures and those flavors so accurately that it just blew my mind. But two, um, like just sitting there, like, just like the authenticity, quote unquote, of the experience, you know, hearing the sounds of the uh, products uh, sizzling on the flat top um, and, you know, the smell of the tortillas, like it was like, like, how could you say it was the full experience? Yeah, it was the full experience. Yes. So I love that. Yeah. We've been talking about the Bay Area's new vegan food scene with KQED food editor Luke Sai and Darren Preston, owner of Malibu's Burgers in Oakland. Thanks so much to both of you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.